0: listening to the Jewel City Podcast. You can join us in person Sundays at 10 a.m. or 6 p.m. We have something for all people and all ages. Or join our live stream at 10 a.m. In this podcast, we're going to hear a message from our congressional care pastor, Aaron Caton. Can we keep it? Title of the message, can we keep it? We're talking about the anointing. Can we keep it? What does it take to keep it? Because we learned last week that it's a personal relationship. So now we've got to figure out how do we keep the anointing that's upon us? We're in 1 Samuel. We're talking about Saul tonight. And Eli is the priest over Israel right now. And he has two sons. And these sons are not very godly priests. They're very ungodly. They misbehave. They do things. That they become worthless to Israel. And Israel wants to cut them off. Israel's tired of them. Eli knows exactly what's going on, uh, but he can't correct them or they won't be obedient to Eli. So eventually, Samuel is born. Samuel is Hannah's son. Hannah came to the, to the temple to the, and, and asked Eli to pray and, and begged God for, for a child for she was barren and could not conceive but she did and and she brought Samuel back to the house of God and she said God this is your son you gave him to me but I dedicate him back to the house of God I give him to you that you would raise him up the way that you want to so Eli's sons who should have been the priests were not obedient so God moved from those two on to Samuel and Samuel is raised up by God and he becomes the priest And Samuel has judged Israel for about 40 years. He's been judging since he was 20. And he feels like he's getting a little bit older. So he too is ready to turn it over to his sons. So he starts training them up to be the high priest of Israel. But they too don't act like their father. They too have a hard time uh, controlling themselves. They they become to the point where they pervert judgment. They're taking bribes. They're doing things that, that are not godly. And Israel comes to Samuel and says, your two sons are not like you. They don't honor God like you. So Samuel has a problem. And we see this in 1 Samuel 8 and 7, that Israel rejects Samuel and the sons, and they demand a king. 1 Samuel 8 and 7, And the Lord said unto Samuel, Hearken unto the voice of the people, and all that they say unto thee. For they have not rejected thee, but they have rejected me that I should not reign over them. If you would, bow your heads. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we come before you today, Lord God. and Father, we surrender our hearts and our minds to you. I pray, Lord, that you would clear our hearts and our minds of any and all distractions right now. Father, may we see tonight in your word how we keep the anointing and how we move, Lord God, in the anointing. Father, I pray your blessing upon us. Give us ears to hear in the name of Jesus and an amen. So Samuel, he feels rejected, but God tells him, God says, they're not rejecting you. Listen, he's comforting him, Samuel. They're they're not rejecting you, Samuel. Do you hear me? Samuel feels, he feels hurt. He feels lost. He feels burdened. But God says, they're not rejecting you. They're rejecting me. Imagine that. God feels rejection. If you've ever felt rejection, guess what? God has felt that rejection. He's felt that pain. The very pain that you felt whenever you were rejected, God has felt it time and time and time again and again. But he's comforting Samuel. He says, they're not rejecting you. God is hurt. God's hurt by the people. Just as Samuel is, but he's trying to tell Samuel, I am hurt too. I'm disgusted. They've disobeyed me since I've brought them up out of Egypt. They continue to go back into sins. They continue to worship their idols. Ever since he created man and woman and they ate of the forbidden fruit, we have rejected God. We have broke his heart time and time and time again. Even whenever he brought me up out of Egypt, I have broken his heart. And all God wants us to do is to love him with all of our heart. God warns the people through Samuel. You want a king? Are you sure? That you want a king Because I'll give you a king But are you sure that you want one Because here's what's going to happen Your king will take your sons and your daughters What do you mean he'll take your sons Well they're going to become the military They're going to become the butler They're going to become the chariot riders They're going to become the workmen What do you mean they're going to take the daughters Well they might become concubines I don't know But they're going to become bakers They're going to become cooks They're going to become the seamstresses. They're going to take your sons and your daughters Whoever this king is Not only that but he's going to take a tenth of your best grain. He's gonna take a 10th of your best livestock. He's gonna take a 10th of your servants. Are you sure that you want a king? And the Lord says, and you'll cry out unto me, and I'll not hear you. That's the hurt of a rejected God. You're gonna cry out to me because you're, cho- you're choosing someone other than me God, who's brought you out of Egypt, who who fed you manna, who fed you quail, who took care of you, you've hurt me to where when this king slaps you crooked, you're going to cry out and I ain't going to hear you. But what do the people say? They say, give us a king. We want a king. So in all that rejection, God gives the people what they want. God loves us in all of our sin, in all of our murmuring, all our backbiting, everything that we do, every man, every fleshly thing that we do, God still loves us and he still wants the best for us. He still wanted the best king for them even though he was rejected, he was going to put the best person in charge of them. The best thing that we can all do is just ask God to be our Lord, to be our king, and allow him to be enthroned upon our heart. But God He's faced rejection time and time again. And he doesn't want to be rejected. He wants to be accepted by you and I. He wants his ways, his truth, and his life to be accepted and respected by us. God allows a king. Who will the king be? It's going to be Saul. So let's meet Saul. Saul and his servant were looking for his father's donkeys. Uh, They're they're lost. The donkeys have gotten out. They've traveled everywhere. So Saul and his servants, they they go about, they're looking everywhere. They went through many different countries and they cannot find them. So the servant, and and Saul's ready to give up and go back to his father. He says, we gotta go before my father starts worrying about me. And, And the servant says, hey, we're in this town right now. And I know that there is a prophet here. I know that there is a man of God here. So they go to Samuel. At the same time all this has happened a day earlier, God told Samuel at a certain time of the day, a man from the land of Benjamin will be by, and Samuel, you will anoint him commander in chief over my people. So we see in 1 Samuel 9 and 16, so when Samuel saw Saul, the Lord said to him, there he is, the man whom I spoke to you, This one shall reign over my people. So Samuel sees him and Samuel goes and greets him. And he says, Samuel tells him, hey, listen, your donkeys have been found. Have joy in that. Now I want you to come and dine with me. We're going to fellowship together. And Samuel says, how do you know these? Or Saul says, how do you know these things? He says, listen, God has revealed your donkeys have been found. Now come with me. And then he reveals to him. Saul says, Samuel says to Saul, you're the hope of Israel. You and your father's house. And he says in verse 21, and and Saul answered and said, am I not a Benjamite of the smallest of the tribes of Israel and my family, the least of all the families of the tribe of Benjamin? Why then do you speak like this to me? You are the hope of Israel. You and your father's house. Listen, you are the hope of wherever you're at for the kingdom of heaven. Ralph, Bombardier, wherever it is that you work, you're the hope of Jesus inside of that building. Charlie, you're the hope. You're the hope of where you're at, at Harry Green's. You're the hope. Sure, you're the hope. Wherever you're at, you're the hope. Rocky, you're the hope. Wherever you go, we are the hope of the kingdom of heaven. And we got to continue to see that this way. We, we have to believe in ourselves, George, that we're the hope of the kingdom. Not just ourselves, but he said, you and your father's house. I don't know if you can go back and correct your father's house, but you and your house can serve the Lord because you can bring them up in the manner that God wants us to bring them up in. We bring them to the house as Everett sits back there. We bring them to the house of the Lord so that they can hear the word of God so that you can be the hope because God is trusting you. God is believing in you. God called you out of darkness so that you could be the hope. He's calling Saul looking for donkeys. But he calls him. You're no longer looking for donkeys. You want to be the king of Israel. He answers with humility I'm the smallest tribe, I'm the least of the families. And if he keeps that humility, God will work through him. He'll be a great king. It's the same for you and I. You may feel like I'm the least of whatever, but you're not the least of anything. When God came into you, you became a child. Of the Most High God, you became a child of the King of Kings, of the Lord of Lords. You became something so special, and don't let anybody ever tell you different. You're a child of the Most High God. You're valuable. So Samuel calls to Saul, and it's a private meeting, and we see it in First Samuel ten and one. Then Samuel took a vial of oil and poured it upon his head and kissed him and said, "It is not because the Lord ha- is it not because the Lord has anointed thee to be captain." Over his inheritance. Shamley was prophesying to him. He's telling him what the word of the Lord is. And then he says, The Lord's gonna give you four signs. The first sign is, You're gonna to go to Rachel's tomb, and two men are gonna be there. And they will tell you that, the father, that your father's donkeys have been found, and that your father's looking for you. The second prophet is, You'll, you'll pass three men at Bethel, and, and one of them is carrying three goats, another is carrying three loaves of bread, and one carrying a bottle of wine. And they're gonna greet you, and one of them is gonna give you a bottle of wine, or two loaves of bread, sorry. The third, you'll go to the hill of God where the Philistine garrison are and you'll meet a group of prophets there with musical instruments. The fourth prophecy is the spirit of the Lord will come upon you and you will prophesy with them and be turned into another man. First Samuel 10 and nine, and it was so that when he turned his back to go from Samuel, God gave him another heart and all these sayings, All these signs came to pass. Saul didn't ask for signs. He didn't ask for anything. Samuel told him what God said, and God performed these signs so Saul would believe in the anointing that was upon him, that he would believe the prophet, that what God said was true, was true. It was confirmation. There's times that God will speak something to you, and then there's a moment in, in your day where there's confirmation. Oh, what I was praying for. Only God knew what I was asking for. And that confirmation came through a song. It came through something. Somebody's words. Samuel anointed Saul with oil. And oil in the Bible typically means, uh, symbolizes the Holy Spirit. This is the first anointing other than priests in the sanctuary. This anointing was from God, of God, identifying Saul as the chosen king. The Spirit of the Lord came up on Saul and God gave him another heart. It wasn't until the Spirit drew him, it wasn't until the Spirit drew him that he believed. It wasn't until those prophecies came true and the Spirit grabbed his heart that he believed who he was. It's the same as sinners. Whenever we go out there, we're the hope of of the kingdom of heaven. It's the same for every sinner until the Lord draws them. They're going to be lost. That's why we're the hope. That's why we keep sowing the seed. That's why we keep planting how good God is to us. Ezekiel 36, 25 through 27 says, then I will sprinkle clean water on you and you shall be clean. I will cleanse you from all your filthiness and from all your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statues, and you will keep my judgments and do them. God will cleanse us in and inward. As John talked about, He'll decontaminate us. He'll stick a hose down us and draw everything out of us that's contaminating our heart, contaminating our thoughts, contaminating our life where we may be thinking about sin. He's going to decontaminate us and put a new heart in us where we're pliable, workable, where we're teachable, where we get changed, where we got this gentleness on us, where we have love, where we fill with joy and peace. Even you, Patrick. We'll be working for God. The Spirit of the Lord changes us there's a transformation that takes place. We don't become Superman, but we're allowed to do supernatural things through the anointing of the Holy Spirit with God. That's right. Moses cast down a staff. It turned into a snake. He picked it back up and it went back to the staff. Paul, on the island of Malta, throws a piece of wood in there. A viper comes out and lashes onto him. He shakes it off. The whole island gets saved. God can do supernatural things through us whenever he cleanses us up, anoints us, With his Holy Spirit. We'll do supernatural things. The Holy Spirit is there to help us maintain our walk with God. Help us walk in obedience. Whenever you do something wrong, that that conviction will come upon you because of the Holy Spirit, because of the God that's inside of you. Can we keep it? Can we keep that anointing? Even Even Jesus spoke of the Spirit of the Lord in Luke 4. Verse one says, then Jesus, being filled with the Holy Spirit, returned from Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, tempted 40 days and 40 nights. But Jesus overcame all those temptations. Why? Because he had the Spirit of the Lord upon him. And then he came to a synagogue in Nazareth and he taught Luke 4, 18 and 19. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted." to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of God. Trey, can we go back to verse 18? Can we read that together? Can we say that together? The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. Amen? Do you believe that? Because verse 21, he says, and he began to say to them, today the scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. I hope that you heard yourself. Trey, can you put 18 back up? Because you are called to preach the gospel to the poor. The poor, it doesn't matter if you think about the richest of the richest, they're still poor if they don't know Jesus. If they're the poorest of the poorest and they don't know Jesus, they're still poor. Because you only become rich whenever you get Jesus inside of you. You become the the man of God, the woman of God that he wants you to because you're anointed with the Holy Spirit to preach the gospel. It's not just for a pastor. It's not just for an evangelist. It's not just for a Sunday school teacher. It's for you and I to preach the gospel to those that are lost, to those that are poor. He's anointed me. He's anointed us to preach to the poor. He has sent us to heal the brokenhearted. What does that mean? There are many brokenhearted people in this world. You have went through something where your heart was broken. God has went through something where his heart has been rejected time and time again. And we're able to go and to preach, not necessarily in a thumping way, but we preach in a loving way that whatever they're going through, that we can set there because our heart has been changed. We walk with love, we walk with gentleness, we walk with peace, and we're able to bring healing because God has sent us in the right place at the right time, even if you just listen. The hardest thing in the world, if we listen, you'll bring healing to the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind. How do you do that? Talk about Jesus. Has Jesus done anything for anybody? Huh? Has He delivered you, redeemed you, called you into salvation? You're able to, to share and deliver people in recovery of sight. Listen, the gospel in 2 Corinthians 4, it tells me that the gospel is hid to those that are blinded by the adversary. So we're able to bring deliverance to those that are blinded by sharing Jesus with them. In order to do this, all we got to do is walk with the Spirit of the Lord. It said the Spirit of the Lord was up on Jesus. And now you've heard it for yourself because you confessed it tonight that the Spirit of the Lord is up on you. Today, the scripture's fulfilled in our hearing. If Jesus needed the Holy Spirit, how much more do you and I need the Spirit of the Lord upon us. To overcome overcome temptation, we need the, the blood of Jesus covering us. And we need to be led by the Holy Spirit. We need to be filled in order to walk differently than what we used to. We have to walk with the Holy Spirit. In order to walk differently than this world today, we have to tap into the Holy Spirit. The great thing is it's a gift from God. That when you and I confessed Jesus and asked him to be the Lord of our heart, asked him to come in, we were gifted with the Holy Spirit. I hear it too many times that, that you're not filled with the Holy Spirit because you're not you don't speak in tongues. You don't do the listen, you ain't got to speak in tongues. You're gifted with the Holy Spirit. And God will work in you. And God will work through you. You got to believe that you have a power inside of you, a Holy Ghost power. And, and, And I'm getting ahead of myself. Listen, I can remember the first time that he moved on me. Somebody needed prayer for their back. And God moved on me and I didn't move. Because I didn't know who was talking inside of me. I thought it was myself, but it wasn't myself. It was a Holy Spirit. I was a baby Christian. I was new. I didn't speak in tongues. I didn't know anything about tongues. But there was a spirit inside of me that was moving and sending me to somebody to pray. And I didn't go. And that same spirit that I'm talking about, we know when we don't do right because I started weeping whenever I got home and it didn't make sense to me why I was crying. But it was God. He's saying, I'm trying to use you, Aaron. I'm trying to use you. And I said, Lord, forgive me for whatever I've done. I'll do it. Give me another chance. Give me another chance. And the following Sunday, he moved on me again, and that man was going in the next day to have surgery. And the Lord healed him miraculously. I have two witnesses who held up one arm each. God wants to move through us. The anointing is upon us. We just read it. We got to believe it. And we got to keep it. How do we do that? Listen, Romans 6 and 4 says, We therefore were buried with him through baptism and death. We were buried with Christ Jesus in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead, through the glory of the Father, we too may walk in the newness of life. When we died in sin, we were raised up a new person with a gift of God, the Holy Spirit. We have so much inside of us. The anointing is fresh. When the old man dies, the sin nature, it's buried, it's gone. But Christ's power and the power of the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit is inside of us to work for God's kingdom, to do things that you never thought that you would do. And I'm not just talking miracles. I mean, Cindy, she fed, she she fed a man the book. That, that's the an anointing of the Holy Spirit. Right? I mean, these are the things surely helps. And there's other people who's doing things that are helping. Many. The anointing pushes us in the gifting that we have. And God wants to use us in that. And don't think that it's too small. Cooking a meal is not too small. That's the anointing of the Holy Spirit that's helping somebody get loved on and getting healed. It's, it's simple. God's life for us. It, it really is simple. He tells it in Ephesians 1:13, in him you also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. I'm trying to help you to understand that you are sealed. Once you came to Christ Jesus, you are sealed with the Holy Spirit. The promise of the Holy Spirit is is the promise of eternal life, that we're part of a heavenly family. But the Holy Spirit gives us power. It gives us revelation. It helps us communicate with God, the Holy Spirit. I've never heard an audible voice, but I believe that he speaks through my spirit, man, and that's what I hear. But if you read Samuel, and and Steve pointed this out to me, I've never read anybody who had a closer relationship than Samuel. He talked to God all the time, and God talked to him. We got to get that close with God that we can hear him speaking to us because he wants to communicate through the Holy Spirit. Listen, the Holy Spirit is a protecting and it's a covering for us. It's an anointing under God's umbrella. The anointing of the Holy Spirit is upon us for we too are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people. You're chosen. You're chosen in your location, wherever it is. I already said it. You're a royal priesthood. You're anointed to preach the gospel. God's already said, take it with you. You're a holy nation. That's you and your house. Take it with you. And you're definitely a peculiar person, aren't you, Bruce? In every manner, each and every one of us are, right? We're peculiar. Why? Because we talk to peculiar people that we can match up with. That's how God made us. It's incredible. We're not all the same. He made us differently. Peculiar people. Peculiar people so we could talk to other peculiar people. Amen? Why? So that we could proclaim the praises of him that called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. That's the whole gospel. That we'll take, we'll take the light that, with us into this dark world and share it with everybody. As Saul was chosen, as Saul was anointed, so you and I have been. So what do we do with this calling? What does Saul do with it? Saul's anointed king in front of all of Israel. It's a fresh anointing. And when you were young in the Lord, man, we had such boldness and confidence, didn't we? I mean, I can remember, I would go to work and, and there, uh, those college kids would come in there and they'd be limping around, they'd be hungover, whatever. I mean, I pray, pray for the silliest thing. Lord, heal their hangover so they can be a better employee for me today. And the next thing I know, their headache would be gone. I mean, one, one kid that worked for me at Chick-fil-A, and this is no lie, this is God, he, he, he took this fryer out, it's 450 degree oil, and it splashed on his face. It, not a lot, just a little bit, and he could feel it, he could feel it, it was burning. I said, I walked up to him, and I said, tell it to go away in the name of Jesus, and he was somebody I was pouring into, somebody I was sowing, so and sowing, and he looked at me, and he said, that's stupid, I said, tell it to go away in the name of Jesus, tell it, it will not burn your flesh in the name of Jesus, and he said, it won't burn my flesh anymore. I said, now, say it with boldness. Tell it in boldness. And he said it with boldness. And everything dried up. And he looked at me and he said, what in the world is this? And I said, that's my God. That's what I'm trying to tell you. See, we have such boldness and confidence in believing what God can do whenever we're baby Christians because we heard a scripture from a pastor. Uh, I seek and knock and it'll be given unto me. And that's what we do. We take that little scripture and we take it with us all week long. We hold on to it as a baby holding a bottle. But as we get older, for some reason, I don't know what takes place, Mary. I don't know what takes place. What do we do to keep it? What do we do to keep that fresh anointing, that boldness, that confidence, the where we can just start working as God commands us to work? I mean, we all have that anointing inside of us. Saul believes God. Saul believes him with all his heart that he is anointed to be king. 1 Samuel 11, Naosh and the Ammonites come to Jabosh Gilead and threatens Israel. And the elders of Jabosh send messengers throughout all of Israel asking for help. And the people, they're scared and they're weeping. And King Saul inquires of the news. He, he's out working. The king is out working. If you're not working, you should be working, laboring for God in the field. Amen. 1 Samuel eleven and six. It says, "Then the spirit of God came up on Saul when he heard the news." What came up on him? The spirit of God came up on Saul. Man, when when you hear news, if you allow the spirit of God to come up on you, whatever that news is, John, whenever you share it with me and we get boldness to just pray right there on the spot, we don't know what God will do. That's the boldness that we have to have. Calvin, when, whenever, whenever Calvin sees somebody come through the door and they say something about prayer and we pray together, that's the boldness that we have to have. We don't have to put it off and say, "Yeah, I'll pray." for for that later god's asking for us to move now he moved the spirit of god came upon me when he heard the news and he was angry and great aroused he moved in a way that god needed him to move god's going to move us in gentleness god's going to move us in love so saul takes a team of oxen and he cuts them in half small pieces and he sends it to every territory of israel and he's saying, Come fight with Samuel and I in the battle, or you'll be like these oxen. And all of Israel feared the Lord, and they came to Saul and Samuel. But I want you to understand again, let me read this. He cut up the oxen, he sent out to every territory of Israel, saying, Come fight with Samuel and I. Samuel was your high priest, remember that. The spirit of God came up on Saul and Saul's bringing the high priest to the battle with him. You Smelling what I'm cooking? Are you smelling it? Because we have a high priest that we go to battle with and his name is Jesus. And we have the anointing of the Holy Spirit that is upon us. We have the commander in chief. We have the, the, the commander of the Lord army. And we have the power of the anointing spirit upon us. The shield of faith. Hebrews 4, 14 through 16. Seeing then that we have a great high priest who's passed through the heavens. Where did he pass from? He passed from the heavens. He passed from the kingdom of God to bring the kingdom of God to earth. He passed through the heavens. He went on, not just, he didn't stop here. He stopped for a little while, but then the devil thought that he took him out and he descended into hell. He took back the grave. He took back death. That's why we can lead the captives from captivity because he did that. He took the the sin out of it and brought us back to freedom. Because we battle with a high priest who came through the heavens, landed on earth, lived his life, taught everything that he needed to teach, gave his life, resurrected so that we could have resurrected life and believe in him and have a gift of eternal life. Amen? Amen. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weakness, but at all points tempted as we are yet without sins. We're not going to battle as Saul was against people. Saul's going up against enemies. We're going up against principalities, powers, and darkness. We're going up against the adversary. We're fighting with our carnal mind. That's why we have to get into the word. That's why we got to renew our mind in Christ Jesus. That's why we got to renew our mind in prayer and fellowship with the Holy Spirit. He's our helper and our comforter to lead us and walk in victory. We're overcomers by the blood of lamb and by the word of our testimonies we got to speak to our own self to lead us out of those hard places sometimes. Listen, we win because Christ has conquered all. We win because of his divine authority. We fight with the blessing of the high priest. He's blessing you interceding for you, wanting you to know that you are special, wanting to know that you are anointed, that you are, that you are a son and daughter, that you're an heir to the kingdom of heaven. Let that set in, that you're an heir to the kingdom of God. You are so valuable that he calls you an heirloom. He has so much for us. The anointing. Saul and Israel killed Naosh and the Ammonites. And all that we have to do is walk in the blessings of the Lord, is to walk in obedience. All Saul has to do is walk in obedience to keep the blessing of God. First Samuel 10 and 8, he gets some instructions. You shall go down before me to Gilgal, and surely I will come down to you and offer burnt offerings and make sacrifices of peace offerings. Seven days you shall wait till I come to you and show you what you should do. So Saul is at Gilgal now, and the Philistines have arrived. And the Bible tells us, that the Philistines have come to make war. They brought 30,000 chariots, 6,000 horsemen, a great multitude of people. The Bible says like sand on the seashore. And all the people of Israel are scared. They are terrified. They start hiding in caves. They start hiding in dens. They start fleeing for their lives. They're running because of the danger of war. As, As the people are fleeing, Saul is waiting for Samuel. We can't rush God. He's a right-on-time God. He tells us in Isaiah 58 and and nine, he says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are my ways, neither are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. His timing is not our timing, and he's a right-on-time God. Why do we act so anxious when he doesn't show up when we want him to? Why do we get so anxious about time? Why do we get so anxious about time? It's not happening the way it is. We got to trust him, right? All of our hope is in God. We knelt down at an altar and confessed all of our hope. You felt the spirit draw you. And that's what I'm talking about. We seem to lose that, that relationship for some reason, and we can't lose that relationship. We've got to hold fast to it and learn to wait on God. Saul doesn't wait for God. He doesn't wait for Samuel. And he takes the sacrifices that he's supposed to wait for, as we read in 10 and 8. And he takes them and he makes those sacrifices for Israel and for his kingship. He takes the offerings and he, says, he burns them up. And as soon as he's finished, Samuel walks in. 1 Samuel 13 11, And Samuel said, what have you done, Saul? Saul said, when I saw that the people were scattered from me and that you, oh, here we go, that you, he's blaming, because blaming others justify our situation. We, we don't have to wait on God because it's your fault. It's, it's, it was Eve's fault that I ate of the fruit. He's justifying himself that you did not come within the days appointed and that the Philistines gathered together at Mishmash. Saul went from being king to being high priest to even being God of Israel. Many of us try this too. It's not working this way, so we try it this way. I can't wait for it to happen, so I'm going to make it happen my own So We should just start lording over our own lives. And whenever we start lording over our own lives, it all starts crumbling down because the King of Kings and the Lord that we should be waiting on is saying, if you want to do it, you do it. And he just steps back and he watches. They're going to learn a lesson in a minute. They're going to call upon me. That rejection that we talked about earlier, we can't reject God. We got to wait for that timing to take place. If we would just wait up on the Lord God Almighty, he takes care of everything for us. While we're waiting, we're confessing. No weapon formed against me in the name of Jesus. Saul should have just been confessing. Lord, you're the Lord of hosts. I know if I wait for you, you will will devour these people. He's already showed. He's already done it before. But he got anxious. He got tired of waiting. So Saul took matters into his own hands. 1 Samuel 13 and 13, and Samuel said to Saul, you've done foolishly. You've not kept the commandment of the Lord your God, which he commanded you. For now the Lord would have established your kingdom over Israel forever because of foolishness, because of not waiting on God. God took his kingdom from him. But now your kingdom shall shall not continue. The Lord has sought for himself a man after his own heart, and the Lord has commanded him to be commander over his people, because you have not kept what the Lord commanded you. Saul was called, Saul was anointed, and Saul was appointed. So are each and every one of us. We have to guard that anointing with all of our life. Just like last week that fear of our salvation being gone. We got to guard it. We can't lose confidence just because God is not showing up at the very hour that we think that we need to. I believe in suddenlies. I believe in instantlies. I believe. I do. But there's times where I've had to wait to hear the voice of the Lord to tell me to move. We don't want to go anywhere that God does not want us to go. If you're looking for a job and have not prayed about it, pray about it. Before you put in a two-week notice, you make sure that God is sending you to that place. Anytime that I've left from one job to the next, it was covered in prayer, and I know God said, it's for you. And when the salary wasn't right, and I went back to God and told him that, he said, wait. And I waited, and then it became what we needed amen that's the god that we serve we can't we can't rely on ourselves, self-sufficiency self-justification blaming others it's not what god wants god wants us to rest in him and the holy spirit and allow him to do what he wants to do psalms 37 3 and 5 trust in the lord god trust in the lord and do good so shalt thou dwell in the land and verily thou shalt be fed delight thyself also in the Lord and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart commit thy ways in the Lord trust also in him and he shall bring it to pass what do you have to do you have to trust in the Lord and do good and what will take place you'll dwell in his land and he will feed you If you delight yourself in the Lord, he'll give you the desires of your heart. Everything keeps going back to the Lord. Everything that we're doing keeps going back to God. What do we have to do? We have to trust in God. Commit your ways to him. What does that mean? It means you're saying, Lord, I surrender. I've got this other job proposal. Do I go? Do I not? And he says trust also in him and he'll bring it to pass. So when we trust God, he'll bless us. When we trust God, he'll protect us. us. When we trust God, he'll defend us. When we trust God, he'll deliver us. When we trust God, he'll meet all of our supplies. He'll give all of our our demands. Not necessarily demands, but he'll give those resources. When we trust God, he'll bring it to pass. And that is what we're looking for. We're looking for God to bring it to pass. Because when he brings it to pass, ain't no man going to take it from you. Amen? Don't run elsewhere. If you will, stand your feet in closing tonight. Don't run elsewhere. And don't do it on your own. Rest and wait and rely on the Lord. He'll bring you through whatever storm you're going through. If Saul would have just waited, his kingdom would have been established for many, many years. But he didn't wait on the Lord. He moved on his own. And the Lord took it from him. Keep your calling. Keep your anointing. Keep his purpose, your purpose. Romans 8 and 28, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God. Do you love God? Do you love God? Even you quiet people, do you love God? Do you love God? Man, you some quiet Presbyterians, aren't you? Do you love God? Huh? Do you love God? I love God! Huh? Huh? Do you love God? And we know that all things work together for good to to them that love God, to them who are called according to his purpose. You're called. Can you keep it is the question tonight. Keep being faithful to God. Keep studying his word. Seek the Lord. Keep his purpose, your purpose. You know why? For God is still seeking a people who are after his own heart. Amen. If you will, bow your head, close your eyes. I don't know where you're at in your walk. But if you're dealing with anything that Saul was dealing with, which was pride, which was self-sufficiency, blaming others, justification, I don't know. Maybe you're not going through a storm. Maybe my life is good. This altar's open. I encourage you to come down. Thank God for what he's doing in your life. If you're in a troubled season, though, I encourage you to come and ask him to open up your eyes to show you the path that you need to take to reveal things to you that only he can reveal. Is there any here tonight that say, I don't know the Lord Jesus Christ as my savior. Is there any here tonight that say, I need Jesus as the Lord of my life? Listen, if you desire God more, I encourage you to come. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for your word tonight. Lord, I thank you, Lord God, for your anointing that's up on each and every one of us. As we spoke tonight, Lord God, as we confessed your word, Lord, of of how we can take the, the gospel and preach it, how we can heal the brokenhearted, Lord God, as we confess that we can free the captives, Lord God, that we can bring salvation to those that are blind, Lord God, because we share the truth of Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray for a spirit of boldness to go upon us, Lord God. I pray for that anointing to continue to grow inside of us, Lord God, that we would move when we're unctioned to move, Lord God. I pray for that fire, that, that youthful fire, that hope, Lord God, that's inside of us, Lord, that we would run on fire, led by the Holy Spirit, led by you, King Jesus, and we'd operate as you'd have called us to operate. Lord, help us to be your sons and daughters in this lost world. Help us to reflect you, in everything that we do. Father, I pray a blessing over the people, a blessing over your children and kids' church and youth, Lord God. Father, I thank you for, for families that are bringing the young, Lord, and growing the house up in the house of the Lord. I thank you for him, Lord God. Raise us all up, Lord God, to be better for you. I ask your blessing upon us in the name of Jesus, and amen. Thank you for listening to the Jewel City Podcast. You can join us in person Sundays at 10 a.m. or 6 p.m. We have something for all people and all ages. Or join our live stream at 10 a.m.